We're continuing our series on kingdom, just about the kingdom of God and, and how the kingdom of God was really what Jesus preached about. G- the kingdom of God was what God, uh, Jesus came to inaugurate and to, to launch. And that ever since that time, the kingdom of God, it says, is expanding. But, but um, in the process, how does God want us to do it? Like maybe in some ways he wants you to live long and prosper. No, but uh, that might sound familiar, right? For I can see that guys who laugh it's the trekkie people um because that's a that's a star trek line right spock's thing um but if you've ever watched star trek uh you hear them uh, make reference to something uh periodically and it's called the prime directive and and the prime directive is the thing is regardless of everything that's going on sometimes it's craziness that's happening uh around them sometimes there's battles sometimes there's like uh things happening on their ship in the midst of that show but they hold to the prime directive and the prime directive in star trek is the fact that we don't interfere on the life of other planets and all this kind of a thing and so uh that's what that's the the overriding principle the guiding principle that keeps Starfleet enlightened and keeps Starfleet going uh, in the right direction. And, and so this aspect of directives, that what it does is it shapes behavior. It, it shapes uh, energy. It shapes the way that we engage. And, and it's no different than um, that what happens in the church, that Jesus has given us some directives and but with the directives he also gives some provisions and so this evening i wanted to take a look um at some of those directives and some of those provisions and so one of those things we're going to do is um, we're going to read a passage which may be um, familiar to some and uh, it's going to be found in uh, matthew 28 verses 19 to 20 and uh, let's uh, do me a favor would you be kind enough to stand in reverence for god reverence for his word and this is sometimes called the Great Commission. Another way that you could say it might be the Prime Directive, right? So let's read what it says. Ready? Begin. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And probably most of us know this great commission as the call to to share the gospel, right? To to share our faith, to go not just to your neighbor, of course, but it includes your neighbor, uh, includes your family, but it it says go to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to the whole earth before his return. And so in the middle of this, that you know that there's this, there is this part of it, but sometimes I think there's some things that get ignored in this whole thing. And, and that's in verse 20. Well, what does it say in verse 20? Teach these new disciples to obey what? All the commands I've given you. You see that part of the, the Great Commission can never happen unless the followers of Jesus obey his commands, right? And that the directive is not simply to tell people, but it's for us to walk in fulfillment of all God has commanded us. And without that, without that, the other part becomes impossible. 
right? Without that, the, the other part becomes um, something that, that looks farther and farther away. And so we need to understand that God has given us promises, but he's also given us direction. And that when we receive what he's promised us, part of the promise, he's with us always, right? Is that he'll, it will allow us to obey him and to step into that so do me a favor would you turn to your neighbor and says god wants us to learn how to obey and then you can have a seat god wants us to learn how to obey right he wants us to learn how to obey not just some of the commands but it says all of the commands and that um that the one thing though is that what i've known is uh that you have to know god's commands in order to obey them right if you don't know the commands that you don't know them, right? So uh, I remember we were uh, driving in uh, Japan, and I'm not a, a, like, the first time I ever drove in Japan, I was a little nervous, right? And so I, I practiced some, I, 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 you know, to be honest, there's no test or anything. You just go to, if you've ever, you can get an international driver's uh, permit. If you just go to like AAA and all that kind of stuff, you pay your 50 bucks and you get that and you can drive in Japan. And so the only thing is I thought I knew everything about it, except when I'm driving, we finally go pick up the car and, um, and I'm driving and my wife just says, stop, hun. <laughs> like, and and I just jam on the brakes and I go, what? What's the problem? She said, you were gonna just run the, the stop sign. And I looked and I didn't realize all this time that the stop sign in Japan is yellow and it's the triangle and it has writing in it, right? But I just thought that was a yield sign for years and years and years because I cannot read Japanese, right? Because that, so the thing that I cannot obey is the thing that I don't understand, right? And the thing that I don't know, I, I would have blown through the, the stop sign, not because I wanted to, but because I was ignorant of it, right? But I didn't have a capacity to understand. And so, you know, God says this for, for us that to, to obey his commands is you, you gotta know what he commands. And so the, the real encouragement on that is to understand, is to understand the word of God, is to be reading the word of God. Because if you don't read the word of God, many of us, we're not gonna disobey God because we want to, but because we didn't know any better. Right? But the reality is you can know better. Turn to your neighbor and says you can know better. Right? You can know better, right? Because the thing is that it, without being in the word of God, in some ways we do have to say, we do have to say this, that it's almost that this lack of knowledge can become intentional, right? I don't want to know because I don't want to be accountable. But we need the word of God. We need the word of God for a number of reasons. Sometimes it's to renew our minds, right? So in, in, in Romans 12 too, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, right? Don't be shaped. Don't let the world squeeze you into its shape and, and follow after its ways. But instead it says, be transformed, how? by the renewing of your mind, right? By the renewing of your mind. And so he says, then you'll be able to test what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you want to know how to renew your mind, you read the word of God. He says, that's the whole thing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you'll know the word, when you know the word of God, you'll know the will of God. 
You'll know the will of God. But we don't, if we don't know the word, we won't know the will. If you don't know the word, you don't know the promise. If you don't know the promise, you cannot live the promise. And so being in the word of God, it doesn't mean that you're gonna know it everything in an instant, right? This is, it's a process, right? And, and so like so many things, growing in Christ, growing as a disciple, growing as a follower is a process, but we cannot ignore the process, how we get in the process. And, and so there is this aspect that you gotta know the will of God in order to know the, the, where, the ways of God uh, so that you can obey God, right? But, but the other part about it is, have you ever been in a place that, that you, maybe it, this happened at work, that you had a command, right? You had some direction at work, but you never felt like you had the resources to do it. You guys ever been in that place, right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate I see people laughing because we know that that happens often. Hey, you gotta revamp this department. Hey, you gotta complete this project. And then you go like, where's my budget? right and we go oh where's my resource right where's my staff and they said you know you guys ever heard this one you got to learn to do more with less right you guys ever heard that like and what does that even mean like you got to do more with less what you know what mostly we do it less less right yeah we tend to do less with less now but here's the thing that when god calls us and and gives us direction he wants to give you the resources to do them Right? God is not a bad manager, right? God is not a bad leader. And so one of the ways that God wants you to, and, and I think many of us, that we've probably felt that we've read the direction in the scripture, but we haven't felt like we had the ability to do it, right? And so if you're ever in that place, you're, you're with the rest of us, you're with the rest of humanity, right? You're not the only person. But what God wants to do is God wants to first work in you before he generally works through you, right? That God wants to work in you before he works through you. Because when God ministers to you, you get changed, right? You, when God ministers to you, you get renewed, you get, you get filled, you get refreshed, you get healed. You, you want to do what God wants you to do, right? When, when, you, when you encounter this aspect, and, and it reminds me of like the food pantry thing, right? That, that reminds me of the food pantry thing. God doesn't want us just to give food to the world. He wants you to be able, if you're not eating first, then it's hard for you to work and to serve and to do all those things. And maybe it's like this. You guys ever go to a restaurant and then you ask the, the, the waiter, the waitress, you ask them, hey, what's good? What's good to eat? And they might say, hey, you know, whatever it is, the steak is good, you know, the pasta is good. And then you go, what if you ask them, well, what's your favorite? And what if they said this? Oh, uh, I don't really know. I never really eat the food. <laughs> like that would actually make you nervous, right? They go like, wait, what? Uh, you work over here, you tell us what to do, but you never really tasted it? You never really ate it for yourself? Right, that would make me nervous. I would probably like, oh, thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me, I gotta go bathroom, hun. Let's go bathroom then. Let's you know because I I would be nervous because something something would be odd about that. But they because they normally they they sh they actually feed wait staff, right? They they let them taste. They make sure that they know what's good and what's what's going on. But here's the thing, God says this in the same way. You know why God wants to work in you just because He loves you. 
And he wants you to experience grace, not just tell other people about grace. Sometimes when we, when we hear about the Great Commission, we gotta tell everybody, we understand there's a directive, but God first wants to work in you first. Let's read what it says, Psalm 34, eight. Ready? Let's read what it says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I don't ever want to be a, somebody telling somebody about the goodness of God, about the mercies of God, about the joys of God, but I've never experienced it myself or I haven't experienced it in such a long time. Because God wants to work in you and how he wants to work in you is really by the Spirit of God, right? He will use the Word of God and he will use the Spirit of God. You and I, we need to be not just a Spirit-led church and not just a Word-centered church. But I believe the Scripture talks about that we need both Word and Spirit. We need both clarity on the Word of God because this is the will of God. And we need the move of the Spirit because that's where life is present. The Word of God renews our mind. The Word of God gives us direction. The Word of God lays out God's thoughts, God's will, God's ways. But the Spirit of God renews your joy, right? The Spirit of God will, will fill your heart, right? The Spirit of God that, that we, it, He'll give you a, a sense of overflow. And we wanna have a culture in our church that's, that's not just about tell, but part of it is that we want it to be what we do as well, right? I, I wanna tell what I do. I wanna tell what my experience is. I wanna tell about what God has do, done for me. Because culture isn't just about what is taught, it's about how people live. It's about what we really believe. It's about what we internalize. And so one of those things is we ought to internalize, we ought to be able to say that, man, I'm experiencing the goodness of God. I'm experiencing the goodness of God. And part of that is because God has given me the spirit of God. Now, um, Romans 8 tells us that everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, everybody who belongs to Jesus has the Holy Spirit, right? So uh, turn to your neighbor and says, if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Right? Everybody has the Holy Spirit who believes in Jesus. But I would say this, not everybody experiences the, the fullness of the Spirit. Not everybody experiences the, the empowerment of the Spirit. Not everybody experiences the direction of the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will help us to look more like Jesus. The Spirit of God will help us to look more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians three eighteen says it like this. So all of us who have had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is what? The Spirit, right? The Lord is the Spirit. He says, what does He do? He makes us more and more like Him. Right? More and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. We start to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that talks about in, in Galatians. 
And the, the Spirit of God then, that He gives us gifts. He gives us an empowerment to do stuff. Spiritual gifts, sometimes it says for the common good. Some of it could be uh, serving. Some of it could be leadership. Some of it could be uh, help. Some of it could be uh, um, uh, speaking forth or teaching. Or some of it could be, you know, um, a, a sense of where we come and, and serve. It's so many different ways, right? But we're not, we talked about spiritual gifts in the past, but, but it's given for the common good. And then God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, it talks about in 2 Peter. But God wants you to experience the presence of the Spirit. What does the presence of the Spirit feel like? To be honest, I think it feels like love. You guys ever felt love before? I hope so, right? I hope you felt love before. And, and so one of those things I remember when I first came to know the Lord was um, it's the first time I ever felt, as an adult, I guess, really loved, not for anything I could give them. God didn't, like I just realized, God didn't really need me, but he wanted me. And when I experienced his love, I was like, man, God pours out so much on me, and it's, it's not because he needs me. It's just because he wants me. And, and this is what it says in Romans 5. Can we read that together? He says this. Let's read. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Right? When you experience the love of God, it's because the Spirit of God in you to fill you, to fill that part. We, we had a, a, a young adults retreat with a few um, of the, uh, the young adults. And you know, one of the things we did was we, we, we just asked if the people wanted to be filled and we, we, we prayed for people. And I just was asking some of the guys, and I was asking them, you know, do you feel any different? He says, oh my gosh. He said, I, well, one person just said, man, I just feel so loved. I just feel the love of God just kind of covering me. And then another person said, I, I just felt a joy, in fact, that I wanted to laugh, but I didn't want you guys to feel like, oh, I'm laughing at you. I said, no, no, that's just the joy that God wanted to, to bring out. That's th those are things, and it's like, we want people, God wants his people to experience this. And so God does say, part of the reason is that he wants you to be filled, because to be honest, if not, you won't even want to do the will of God, right? Or if you want to do the will of God, you won't have the power to do the will of God. Because God gives commands, but he also gives the resources to do it. The resource that, to do it isn't just self-discipline, although self-discipline is, uh, is, is helpful, right? It's, it's not just planning, though planning is helpful. It, it's not just, you know, uh, kind of a giving it all you got, although giving it all you got is, is helpful. God says this, that you need strength and power that's outside of yourself. That's more than what you have. Have you ever been in a place where you just said like, even if I gave everything, I couldn't do 
maybe what God's called me to do. And, and that might be true. So God says this, but have you tried everything I can give you? This is what it says in Acts 1.8, that you will receive power. Let's say the word power. Let's say it like we actually are excited about it. Power, right? <laughs> like so, <laughs> power. No, I have to have power. No, but like, like power, right? I want, I want to have power, right? I want to have strength, capacity. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power, and then you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. He says, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, it, it's not because they planned it. To be honest, the first missionary journeys didn't come because it was planned. It came because they were forced. Persecution came. That's why the first missionary journey happened. But that God still gave them power in the midst of that. And Jesus has sent us by the Father to his, be his witnesses about his kingdom, right? We're, we're his kingdom representatives, we talked about. His ambassadors, his sons, his daughters. And so that's part of what God has called us to. But you know the thing is, then when it comes to talking about the filling of the Spirit, sometimes I, I, I see that there's different kinds of people, and part of this, um, I'm gonna just say this, this portion right here is not, I, I, didn't, I didn't study this and pull this out on my own. It's something that, that we're using an, an, an alpha uh, um, a teaching for some of the young adults. And so in that, this is, was, was part of that. This, is, this comes out in part. And I just got, when I heard this, I got like, wow, they didn't think about this. But it's true, right? And it says there's different types of people who have received the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and some of them are people who longed for it. In Pentecost, Jesus promised, he said, hey, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave until the gift from the Father that the Father is sending when it comes. So even though he had given them the commission to go out, he says, this, I'm giving you the directive, but you're not ready to go do it yet until you receive power. And then it says this on, at, on Pentecost, 50 days basically after, uh, after the uh, crucifixion, 50 days after that, it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then they looked like flames of tongues. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and unsettled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. But they longed for it. They were, they were waiting for it. They were, they were primed for it, right? And, and some people that, that you, you desired greatly, you've wanted to be filled with the Spirit for, for maybe for a long time. But that's a good thing. You know what? God satisfies, he says, your deepest longings, right? That he'll, he'll satisfy the deepest longings. But then the second one is there's some people who, maybe they're not longing for it, but they're just kind of open. They're receptive, right? They're open, they're receptive. And so we, we find that in, in Acts 8 and 9. And so in this portion, it says the apostles were, were heard that there were some folks in Samaria who had accepted the Lord's message. And so Peter was, and John got sent to that place. And when they got there, 
there were some new believers, right? And um, they wanted to pray for these guys to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, it says, but they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. In other words, they were believers. They believed in Jesus, but they hadn't, the Spirit of God was inside of them, but he hadn't filled them yet. And so when they laid their hands on these believers, it says, then they received the Holy Spirit. We see this kind of thing happening. Sometimes you don't even have to be receptive. Sometimes we even see hostile people. You ever heard any, seen some people that they're not even open. They're not even open. But the Apostle Paul, we all know before the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul, he was called Saul of Tarsus. And he was the greatest enemy of the church. He hated Christians. He hated believers. Before he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he, he went on mission practices to go and arrest believers, even in foreign cities. He says, I'm not just trying to get control in Jerusalem. I'm not just trying to get control in in, in Israel, I'm going to go to other places. I'm going to go to Turkey. I'm going to go. He's, he's saying he's going to next places to get this. But what we find is, even though he was hostile and he was the greatest enemy of the gospel, and many people had died as a result of his hostility, God knocked him on a don- off his donkey, right? humbled him, he heard the voice of God, and in that moment of blindness, he sends a man named Ananias. And Ananias, at first he doesn't wanna go. How many of you guys would say this? Like, um, let's just say, you guys remember Osama bin Laden, right? What if, what if they said this, you heard the voice of God, the, the voice of God came to you and says, oh, Troy, Go pray for Osama bin Laden because he has become a follower of me. And we would be thinking like, wait, I know who that is, <laughs> right? Like, uh, like uh, how we know for sure he really believes, <laughs> right? That, and, and that's what Ananias experienced. He said, uh, we know this guy. We, uh, you sure this is you, God? But he goes, it says, and when he went, he called him brother. It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he prays for him, and it says, instantly, scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up and was baptized. And we see this aspect that it's not just one kind of person can respond to it, right? Even the uninformed, like I said, that the thing that we cannot know, we cannot be, we cannot obey, but uninformed when they hear about it can respond. We were talking uh, in a, our men's group this week and we talked about this very passage in Acts chapter nine where the Apostle Paul comes upon these believers in Ephesus or come upon these God-fearing men. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And he's, they basically just said, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't even know what the Holy Spirit is, right? So if you don't know what is the Holy Spirit, don't worry. 
You're not the only person. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit is. Then it says, and then they asked them, well, what have you been baptized into? And he said, the baptism of John. In other words, they repented of their sin and they wanted to follow God, but they didn't really even know about Jesus. So what they did was they baptized them in the name of Jesus, like that Christian baptism, right? And say, I, I put my faith in Jesus. And then it says, as soon as they did that, then they laid their hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. They get filled with the Spirit. So sometimes it's not like you know anything until somebody just tells you. And some of it is the most unlikely people. They can, they can be filled with the Spirit too. You find that in Acts 10. Peter has a vision and he doesn't understand this vision because God is telling him in this vision, eat food that is unclean for Jewish people to eat. And he says, Lord, I, I never ate, I never defiled my body. I've never done what you told me not to do in terms of this. And he says, he has the same vision over again. And God says in the vision, don't call unclean what, I've made un, what I have made clean. It says at that very moment, there's a knock on the door and there are these people who are non-Jewish people, Gentiles, who've come to call him, to call Peter, to come speak to their, uh, to come speak to their master. And his name is Cornelius. He's a, a God-fearing Roman officer. So this guy, not just an unbeliever, but to be honest, hated normally by Jewish people. They, they hated the Romans who dominated them. But when he came into the house, he said this, he said, you know, to be honest, truth be told, I shouldn't even be in your house because you're not Jewish. You guys are, it's unclean for me to come in. But you know what God said? I shouldn't call unclean what God says is clean. And he begins to explain and he asks them some questions. And the people that basically from the other side of the tracks, and it says that as they spoke and they were listening to the message that Jewish believers came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on Gentiles too. And so we see even the most unlikely, the people that they wouldn't have even dialogued with. But there's a few things that I think can get in the way. There's some barriers to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a few. This is not exhaustive, but maybe these might make sense to you. I think the first one is busyness. Busyness. It's not saying that because you have, your schedule is too full, that's why you cannot be filled with the Spirit. That some of us, we get very busy schedules, but you guys are filled with the Spirit. Why is that? Well, it's because it's not the outside busyness. It's the inside busyness, right? The fact that, you know, it, that's the part that makes it. It's not how loud the noise is on the outside, it's how loud the noise is on the inside that's going, right? And so for some of us, when we take that moment, even in the worship time, at the end of the worship, at communion, and we just still ourselves, maybe sometimes it's that. We, if you wanna hear the voice of God, sometimes you gotta, you gotta just calm yourself down. And it doesn't mean you, you stay like that for one hour, but give it, just give some time. Give a, give a few minutes just to be quiet before God. But in some ways, it's the same thing that 
But some of the reasons why we're not filled with the Spirit is because we're so busy, because we're so busy on the inside. We're so driven on the inside that we don't make space for God. Not saying that we're not saved, but we just end up doing it on our own. And so the second thing is this. The second thing is doubt. Second thing is doubt. You know, maybe it's for some people. I don't know if it's for me. You know, I don't think I can, right? I don't think I'm going to receive anything. And so sometimes you have doubt, right? And, and, the, and so, to be honest, often the word doubt in the New Testament is the word diaresis, which means this, to be of two minds. I want sometimes, but I don't want, right? And I can you know, and we have this, like this, we're, and so because of that, we go back and forth, we vacillate. So sometimes we doubt. I can't, I'd like to, but I don't know if I can, right? And for some people, well, there's fear. There's fear for some. Like, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to just like get possessed? Like, and I'm going to say stuff that I don't want? <laughs> like, some, that's some people's view. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Some people do receive a prayer language. Some people don't. You don't, that's not the important part. The important part is that God fills you with his spirit. That, that you'll sense the love of God. You'll sense the joy of God. You'll sense the presence of God. You'll sense the power of God. And for some people, for some people, the biggest one is they just feel inadequate. I'm not good enough, right? I'm just not good enough. Like if you knew if you knew me, you know, X amount of time ago, right, that, that's, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even ask me if I'm okay. But you know, that's, many of these are, are, are things that, some of it is lies, that's a lie, that you're, you don't, you're not inadequate, you don't have to be good enough, right? And some of those things the enemy stirs in our hearts, but God says that, you know what? You can, everybody can be filled. God desires that all his people are filled with the spirit. I love what it says in Luke eleven thirteen. This is what it says. Can we read that together? Let's read what it says. Let's read. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. He says, wait, I, I thought you said I had the Holy Spirit. He, you do, you have the Holy Spirit. But to be honest, you may just not, may not be filled with the Spirit. And so even though the Spirit of God lives in you, to be honest, so often we, we operate still in our own flesh. It's like for, sometimes I said it's like this. If I went in my car and uh, I put the key in the ignition and turn the key, not to start the car, but so that the wheel lock is open, right? And then I open the door and I start to try to push the car with the one leg, right? What would happen if you kept doing that? You would get one big left leg, right? <laughs> uh, if in Japan, it would be the big right leg. But like you, right, you wouldn't go anywhere. You might know where to go. You might know what to do. You might know where to stop but you don't have the power to move it forward. And it's not because there's not fuel in the car. 
But if you never turn the ignition and start the car, then the fuel cannot flow. That's all that is, right? So how many of you guys want the fuel to flow? Yeah, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Let's just ask God, Lord, I realize I have the key in Jesus, right? Jesus is the key, right? Do you have your favor, turn to your neighbor, just say, Jesus is the key. Right? And the thing is that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and that the Father would send another just like him. And so it's really the spirit of Jesus, but we gotta, we gotta just turn the key so that the fuel that is already resonant can be effective. And so there's a prayer that is very simple prayer that have been prayed for thousands of years that, so that people might experience God's presence among us. So that we could minister in God's power to the world. It's a very simple prayer. You know what the prayer is? Come Holy Spirit. You know like on some uh, great um, relics or, or, or archaeological finds that they found is that, that what they would see is reliefs, carvings of the Christian community. Likely, they normally in the, in the early church, how they were displayed is with their hands raised. Right, just with their hands raised. And they would be open. And the prayer that was so often prayed about, like him from this guy named Hippolyte, they just would say, come Holy Spirit. And to say, that, Lord, we just want to receive. And I'm just want to go to ask you that, and you know what, maybe just to stay seated, to stay seated, but maybe just all we need to do is, have we asked? And have we been open? And you don't have to figure everything out and don't worry about like, it's not, you're not going to be weird, but let's just ask the Spirit of God to fill us. And as a sign of openness, can we just open our hands as a symbol of our openness to God? And would you do me a favor? Let's, let's just bow our heads and, or close our eyes. And would you say with your own lips, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill me today. And Father, we're praying that as your people, just ask, you said, just like a father that when his children are asking, Dad, would you give me bread? He says that you wouldn't give him a stone. We wouldn't give him a snake or a scorpion. You, you would give them what they really asked for. So Father, what we're praying is for those who are just saying, come Holy Spirit, would you just fill them today? Would they sense your presence? Father, would they sense some change? Father, would they sense, Lord, uh, the filling of your heart? God, would they sense your love? Would they be filled Lord, would they be filled with your presence to give them joy, 
and to give them power. And just with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, if you, just as you prayed that, and you just feel like, oh man, I don't know, something feels different today. And if that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah? That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're going to just ask prayer team, guys. If somebody has their hand raised, can you just kind of walk around and just pray? And if you would like, you would like for um, the team to continue to pray for you, and you know that there are times it says, I believe that God just heard you when you prayed. But sometimes there's a thing when the people of God partner with you and they just lay their hands on you. It's not like they have hot hands, but it's a partnership. It's just saying this, God, would you move in a fresh way on, on a brother or sister? And they just, they just want to pray for you. And if that's what you would like, would you just... They're, they're going to be kind of walking around, but just when you see them, just raise your hand. But we're just going to ask you guys at home too. Would you just be saying the same thing? Because even at home, even at home, if you're just asking God, come Holy Spirit, come fill me today. Guess what he'll do? He'll come and fill you. He knows you. Right? Father, tonight we're just thankful. And we don't want to just end up trying to do all the commands in our own power. But Lord, would you fill us with your spirit to give us your presence and your power, your guidance, Lord, your love, your joy, Lord, and all that comes with it, and all that comes with it, restoration and healing and strengthening, God, so that we can do what you've called us to do. In our flesh, we cannot, but by your Spirit, we can do everything you've called us to do. So put your covering over your people. You know, if you're at home too, or maybe whether in your house or at home, you know, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you don't need to ask for like great miracles. You can ask for miracles, but the biggest thing God wants you to say is the biggest miracle is that you, he would transfer you from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of his light and that his, your sins would be forgiven, that you would get your name written in the book of life. You would be destined for heaven, that he would begin a new change. He would turn something in you that was dead on the inside, your spirit that might have been darkened, your spirit that might have been, that couldn't connect with God and God will cause it to be born again. He'll make it alive. But all you gotta do is just ask. All you gotta do is just surrender, give him your life. And he says, come, Lord, fill me today with your presence. Would you forgive me because you died on the cross? And he said he'll do that as well. And if that's you at home or maybe you in the house, we just like to pray that simple prayer. And if you join us along that, would you know that God's gonna respond to you? We're gonna just pray a very simple prayer. Lord, come, because today I, knew, I know I need you. Thank you for dying in my place today. I wanna receive you. Come, live inside of me today. And would you lead me and guide me? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you died in my place. 
Would you lead me and guide me in a way that I can know your will and your ways? I can know your heart and I can know your mind. I give you myself. Would you be my Lord, be my leader in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, God heard you today. Hey, can we just say congratulations to those folks? Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Kapolei Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopecapolei.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.